Click, listen, enjoy. Broadcasting live worldwide. Thank you for tuning in to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. The Talkline Network proudly presents its flagship program, Talkline with Zev Brenner. America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. And now, your host, Zev Brenner. Welcome back to the program. Mom Zev Brenner with us right now is Adrian Skolnick, chairman of the North Carolina chapter of the Conference of Jewish Affairs. And our segment is entitled Jews Who Support Donald Trump Don't Have a Prayer. So what is the situation? You belong to a conservative temple, conservative synagogue. You've been going for many, many years. And since Donald Trump became president, what happened? Well, I'm actually not a member anymore. I withdrew my membership about three months ago. Because what happened? The, well, the atmosphere in the show is now so progressive left that it's very uncomfortable to have social justice and identity politics at the mainstay of conversations and in our newsletter and in uh, even the JCC here um, is. Uh, has a lot of social justice uh, headlines uh, in their newsletters. So those of us who are politically conservative have had some very unpleasant experiences with our boards and um, with some of the other uh, people who are quote-unquote social justice warriors. And uh, a number of us here have withdrawn our memberships, and our, many are without places of worship now for the first time in our lives. Well, well what happened? Life. You, they made you feel uncomfortable. They asked you to leave. What exactly transpired? What happened? Oh, okay. So over the years, the um, social justice dialogue became more prominent. Once Trump became president, if you, if you disagreed or if other members who were progressive left started conversation and would ask me questions and I'd answer from a political, uh, from a conservative viewpoint, I would be personally attacked. The invectives regarding Trump would start flying. And I would just calmly say to them, has anything in your life changed since Trump came into office? And I got answered no. Has your 401k done better? Yes. 
if you own a business and now you have a 14% profit because he lowered the corporate tax from 35% to 21%, isn't that a good thing? They'd answer yes. However, the conversation would still revert to invectives. And I would just get up and leave at that point. Uh, another situation that started occurring was um, we had a, a uh, at the University of um, uh, Carolina here, UNC, Asheville, they had speaker um, Tamika Mallory, who was a known anti-Semite, associates with Linda Sarsour, Farrakhan, and she spoke at the university. Several of my conserv politically conservative friends protested. In the next synagogue newsletter, these individuals who, who um, uh, stood up for what they believed got publicly criticized in the newsletter. And the author of that article apologized to the black community, hoping it wouldn't hurt relations. Well, I addressed this one day and said, the Jews that were killed in New Jersey and an employee of theirs, the Jews that were cut by a machete, all black, by black radical Jews, uh, black uh, radicals, did the black community apologize to the Jews? But but I'm trying to get a handle, Adrian, is in the synagogues itself. So... You're not the only one that left. There are others that left out of a congregation of, what is it, 100, 200 families? How many are members of, were members of the synagogue there, or are members? There's um, probably 250, 300, maybe 125 families, something like that. Okay. And, and so over the years, many of my friends have left. And um, and why have they left? Because have they made to be uncomfortable if they don't fit the narrative of of the other congregants or the rabbi, they were more left-leaning if they didn't like the fact that you supported Donald Trump? Is that where the issues lie? Did you, let's discuss the rabbi and yourself. So did you, what was your relationship like with the rabbi before Donald Trump became president? Well, before and even after he came, uh, became president, I have a wonderful relationship with my rabbi, even though he was progressive left. He had a sense of community and uh, he he was a brilliant young man who gave wonderful classes. I'd go to Midrash class where we'd debate, dialogue, and even one-on-one, -on -one, he and I would have debates. But we always gave each other a hug and laughed after them. He's unusual. Can't do this with the membership. Doesn't fly. Um, the, the friends of mine who were publicly criticized after protesting uh, wrote to the board about it, and were totally ignored. I decided to do a presentation to the board uh, addressing some of these issues and how alienated those of us who are conservative feel. Uh, nothing was done. I asked if I can write articles from a conservative viewpoint in the newsletter because there were progressive left uh, articles. And um, my articles were rejected, and then uh, my organizations, instead of being right next to the social justice ones, they were put on the very bottom, uh, after all the other organizations within the community, and I was a member. So these things started really 
making me uncomfortable, as did my other friends. So did you speak to anybody? How many people felt this way? Did people say, don't come to synagogue if you support Trump? Did they do things that made you uncomfortable? Aside from not listing you, did they shun you? Did they stop talking to you? Did they attack you? Give me the atmosphere. Nobody was, um, you know, nobody treated me uh, disrespectfully insofar as just being in service. Uh, some of these sermons did start containing reference, political references, which I had to address. Um, the dialogue that got very uncomfortable would usually be during Kiddush, and if something politi- political dialogue started, once someone knew I was politically conservative and voted for Trump, then then the the histrionics would and invectives would start and i remember one one lady who i i really had hoped we could have a a friendship um that type of dialogue started and i started to get up and she finally said well if we're going to be friends then we can't talk politics and i thought all right that's perfect but it ends up that it doesn't it doesn't stay that way. Now I have I have um, made a lot of friends now. A lot of politically conservative Jews are seeking one another out. Um, it's kind of a homelessness, uh, as one person said it, and um, some are um, trying to be part of synagogues that are in other cities, doing Zoom uh, classes and services. Others have gone to Chabad, or some have become Orthodox. And, and I have people communicating with me now from all over the United States, which is really amazing. So it, it isn't just, uh, you know, in a particular area. And, um, and I've been making wonderful friends. And there are many, many people in higher positions that, I, you know, I work with Rabbi Aryeh Spiro at the Conference of Jewish Affairs, and he's very active in, in fighting this, and um, he, um, he's been wonderful. I, I'm very inspired by him. But you've lost friendships, it sounds like. And from what I understand, 20 people left, so they left because of political difference, not because of religious differences. Am I correct in assuming that? Correct. Our guest is Adrian. And also, it's the the tikkun olam. You know, um, as Rabbi Spiro would say, the tikkun olam, or other rabbis I have talked to, it's not the tikkun olam that that really is. What's difficult for, for many of us that have left is that the social justice mentality will go out of its way for others and turn their backs on their own. In, in the article I wrote for American Thinker, The New Jewish Exodus, I, I asked the question, um, you know, when did Judaism stop being Jewish? And it's when, when it turned its back on its own. Because when we can't be made to feel comfortable where we want a spiritual home that's peaceful, 
and not political. We want to walk into our, our synagogue and not have this tension. Uh, it doesn't exist. It's take it or leave it. This is what we're going to, to uh, be doing. This is our agenda. And if you don't like it, then, you know, then you can leave. It's not stated as such, but we end up leaving. Adrienne Skolnick is our guest from North Carolina. She has been made to feel uncomfortable in the synagogue. She doesn't have a place where to go right now because of her political views. So she's not home anymore in the conservative synagogue in North Carolina. She says there are hundreds, maybe a lot more around the country. When we come back, we continue our conversation. We'd love to hear what you have to say. We're going to be right back. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. You're listening to Talkline with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Welcome back to the program. Mom Zev Brenner, our guest from North Carolina, Adrian Skolnick, and she has felt uncomfortable in synagogues. And how many other people aside from yourself, Adrian, have felt uncomfortable with synagogues because they're taking politics into the synagogue and making people who are not progressively liberal, who don't who support Donald Trump are uncomfortable? How many people are you think are been affected by this whole situation? I think there are thousands. If you, if you take uh, 7,150,000 total Jews in the U.S. and 30% voted for Trump, that's a little over 2 million. And if uh, 10% are Orthodox, that's about 700,000. So you leave about a million three that are conservative. I have, I have, um, I'm involved now with several Zoom groups, so I know there are hundreds. Uh, and that's just me individually uh, um, befriending these new people. So I'm, I'm comfortably going to say thousands. Wow! Um, is there an they, is there an association of all anybody who feels disenfranchised because of what's going on? They all feel disenfranchised. Their stories are very similar to mine. Some even worse. Some were founding members of their shows and ended up leaving after. 20 years, something like that. Um, not, none of us have been asked to leave. We just get to a point where we're made so uncomfortable that we just don't feel it's our spiritual, peaceful home anymore. 212-769-1925, our number, 212-769-1925, extension 101. Email, email is a great way to have your questions answered. Zev Brenner is gmail.com zevbrenner at gmail.com let's go to stan in forest hills new york okay stan you're going to have a question for our guests so go ahead I'm Stan. Trying, i'm trying to understand this is this is a synagogue that has conservative jewish values correct ma'am is that correct yes okay supposedly well it, you said it was so i'm going in what you said uh okay. and the sermons overall are about the Bible and the Torah, 
and the sermons are usually in a conservative mo mode, are they not? Yes. Okay, which is what they're supposed to do. So when the political thing comes in, does that come after the service? It doesn't, or during the service? It can. It can be during the service. Do you see it a lot during the service? Uh, saw it more and more. By the rabbi. By the rabbi. Yeah, where it didn't exist um, early on. And again, I'm telling you things that are told to me from other individuals throughout the United States. I'll give you another, another example. Um, a friend of mine that left my show and ended up joining another show in another city. Uh, just in the past two weeks, although their rabbi also had a progressively, he had a conservative show, so he adapted himself. But within the last two weeks, he went on Facebook and stated, if any of my congregants voted for Trump, I am not their rabbi. He actually said then, that? He actually said that? Yep. And then he got slack and pulled it off. Wow. He actually said that. Is this, then this is a conservative rabbi or a liberal rabbi? He's, he's in a conservative show, but he is... Obviously, progressive left. Well, liberal. You, you can. You know, we can divide the the, the, the names. Uh, the point I'm trying to make to you is, uh, apparently, you feel uncomfortable. So you're thinking about going to a shul with people that life-minded think like you. Okay. So if you go to the synagogue and you would go to a place where people think like you, think about Donald Trump or whatever and so forth, and then you pray and do your thing. So really nothing changes. They think their way and so forth. But that's not what the synagogue's for. Has he made any impression to try to mediate some kind of understanding between the two? Yeah, because if, if 20 people left, don't they, schools are looking for membership, especially during the time of COVID. They don't want to lose any more than they have to. This seems like a loss that doesn't have to be. Exactly, exactly. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm liberal myself, and I'm reformed and so forth. Uh, more liberal Jew and so forth. I find this somewhat difficult. You seem to say it's happening more and more as you as you hear it across the country. Is that correct? Let me, let me answer the first part of your question. Sure. I made a presentation to the board addressing these issues, and basically it, they're ignored. Nothing nothing was done. Uh, other friends that left pre prior to that tried to go in front of the board, were ignored, wrote letters to the board, were ignored. Were you That's allowed to speak to the congregation as a, as a, uh, during service at all? No, we don't. Uh, the service is not open. It's never been open for that kind of dialogue. There was nothing Well, like why that. not? Obviously, there's a problem, and I would think... Some, something can be stated to the to the rabbi, and when everybody is there, and again, I'm liberal, and uh, I didn't vote for Trump, nor do I like him, but I think in your situation, I think there's a problem in which your voice needs to be heard, and to be say, why is this happening, and why should? Again, the major point I think you're saying is they're not telling you to leave, and you're not being forced out, but you get the impression that you have to leave. They're making you feel, they're making you feel uncomfortable if they're yeah, well, if they're attacking well, they're your viewpoints. Get, they're not saying get out. Are they? I mean, no, no, no. Nobody was asked to leave, but there comes a point where we all became so uncomfortable that the the peacefulness, the spirituality of 
the comfort level that we had years ago no longer exists. Well, I can understand that, considering what has happened over the last and, it, and it, it's terribly, terribly sad. You know, there's something else that that is going on. The Jews of whiteness, Jews of color, and I mentioned I have an adopted Ethiopian Jewish son. What I what I see with this, and and I first addressed this when there was an an article about this in the newsletter. And I ended up writing a response to it called Whiteness, the New Evil. And I couldn't, they wouldn't put it in the newsletter as a, as a counter argument. So I, I uh, American Thinker published it for me. I find it extremely divisive. I find a self-imposed segregation. And it's, it makes me very uncomfortable. And I don't know why this is happening. Uh, within our religion. Let me, ask this uh, let me ask you this question. Aside from promoting and attacking Donald Trump, are they promoting Black Lives Matter from either yes. the pulpit? Yeah, they are promoting that. Not, not necessarily in, in, in terms like that. However, um, in our newsletter they are, there was um, an article about the Southern Poverty Law Center with a black fist. I found that very offensive, and it was shortly after that I left. Um, there are, uh, uh, I know some some people protested with BLM. One was arrested, and I said, how come they weren't cr publicly criticized in the newsletter? You know, it's a very double standard that uh, is... Uh, I, think, I think that you are entitled to, at least in your newsletter, have an opposing opinion. Again, I'm liberal. I, the last four years to me have been a living hell uh, with Donald Trump. But I think you have a right in your synagogue to have an opposing point of view, and it should be allowed in the uh, newsletter. Secondly, there's a financial support to the synagogue. Make it known, your financial support... I would suspect will be withdrawn. If but she left. Any. She left. She's not there well, in the cinema. But I'm saying, it, it, obviously, it didn't make a difference to them in, on that regard. Correct? Well, for me or any of my other friends who are major contributors, major fundraisers, uh, brought so much, so much dignity and warmth to the show that I could not believe they would absolutely ignore the discomfort and and not have discussions with these people about their discomfort. Did, did any of the liberal, if there are any liberal Jews in the synagogue, speak to you at all? Or did they do it privately or call you in any way, shape, or form? No. You yeah, know, once, I once I addressed this and, and brought it to the forefront, no. Okay. So, so, the, the point here is is that while, the, while a lot of people hear about, oh, the anger of the Trump supporters, but there is also a flip side where you have Jews and non-Jews, but we're going to focus on on Jews that have such a hatred for Donald Trump that it permeates even the walls of a synagogue where it's brought up in sermons and people who have a different point of view are made to feel uncomfortable. And this is part of what's been going on. No, I think, I think her, her situation, uh, again, uh, I'll say it again, I despise this man. I'm glad he's gone. But what's happening in the, that particular situation with the synagogue should not be. There should be communication and so forth. Obviously, you're going to be going or looking for a synagogue uh, where there are right-minded right conservatives who also will think like you. 
and think, you know, and Donald Trump is the greatest thing since toasted bread. But I'm just saying, I don't think what happened to you is right, and I think uh, you should make it known to the rabbi. Obviously, you've left, and it, uh, it's a sad situation. Anyways, I want, and thank yeah. you. Thank you for your compassion. I, I really appreciate that. Well, it's not compassion. I mean, sadly, we deal in, this is, the last four years have been so unprecedented in this country. I think you'll admit to that. You have your thinking and the way you think, and that's fine. I have the way I think. But in the synagogue, somewhere there should be some sense of understanding because of religious teachings. If we can't have it, even in a conservative synagogue, then there's a, a, a somewhat of a problem. But uh, do you think it's all liberal in this synagogue now, all progressive? Uh, if if there is any closet conservatives, um, <laughs> I'm not aware of them, because most of the people I know who had left were the primary politically conservative members. <laughs> anyway, well, Sam, I hope everything works out okay for you. I do that. I, I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you for okay. your good call. Uh, no problem. Let me ask you this, Adrian. I have some emails. I'm going to read an email. Before I get to that, now that the President Trump is leaving, will the atmosphere change? Can you go back and feel comfortable again, or is it the damage been done and you can't go back? No, I wouldn't go back because I'm the, the atmosphere really doesn't change. The social justice warriors are very prominent. Um, I think the formats will remain the same. And, and you know, with Biden uh, and a social democratic uh, governing body, it's, I think it's only going to get worse. So, I, I mean, I'm, several of the people that I've talked to uh, go to Chabad now. Some go to um, some Orthodox shows. I'm talking around the United States. And, and yet, when I ask them, uh, now that you're going to Orthodox, have you become Orthodox, they'll all reply the same thing. No, I'm still conservative. Well, here's B.C. writes a question based on this point. B.C. writes, has your guest thought about joining an Orthodox congregation where the congregants might be more likely to share her views? Yeah, and, and that's something I'm thinking about. Uh, I just haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, and, you know, if, if I, 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 I've been doing some Zoom classes and, you know, trying to reach out to uh, uh, other rabbis and other shoals, I, I just haven't found a comfort level yet. And um, I'm, I'm saddened by this. I, you know, I wrote something in, in my article, The New Jewish Exodus, and I want to quote Chabad.org on the destruction of the Second Temple. Quote, Aside from the troubles caused by these external powers, the Jews were also plagued internally by tumultuous politics, and they divided into factions, a phenomenon that ultimately led to the Temple's destruction and our nation's torturous exile. Happening again. We have to we have to we have to be unified. We have to respect different opinions, different thoughts, different politics. There shouldn't be politics in the synagogue anyway. Our guest that's, that's, that's the point, Dev, is what we were asking, those of us who You weren't who, asking you weren't asking them to become right wing, you asked them to keep the politics out of the synagogue. That's really what I, you asked. That was our main request. 
You don't want to hear. You don't want to hear about social justice. You want to hear about Judaism. Exactly. Our guest, Adrian Skolnick, chairman of the North Carolina chapter of the Conference of Jewish Affairs, and she doesn't feel comfortable in her conservative synagogue because she's a pro. She's a pro Trumper. And that's something which has not been taken too kindly in her synagogue and other conservative reform synagogues. When we come back, we continue our conversation. If you'd like to chime in, we'll take some more of your phone calls. 212-769-1925, extension 100. 212-769-1925, extension 100. If you want to email us, zevbrenner at gmail.com, zevbrenner at gmail.com. If you want to catch any of our past broadcasts, Go to jewishpodcast.fm, punch and talk line with Zev Brenner. Get a whole bunch of shows. If you miss the show, want to hear it again, talk line programs, you can catch us at jewishpodcast.fm. You can always go to talklinenetwork.com. And we urge you to become a fan of Talkline on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter. We're at Talkline Network. And um, please patronize our sponsors. They're here to help us with our broadcast. Hi, this is David Gabay, and you're listening to The Zev Brenner Show. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the TalkLine network and TalkLine's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at TalkLineNetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please become a fan of TalkLine with Zeb Brenner on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, and YouTube. On Twitter at TalkLine Network, if you have an Android phone, please download our free app in the Google Store. For iPhones, download the Jewish Radio app. Of course, tune in 24 hours a day at TalkLineCommunications.com for nonstop Jewish broadcasting. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And we're back. Adrian Skolnick, our guest from North Carolina. She is chairman. Is it correct to call you chairman? Or should I call you chairwoman or chairperson? Or what's the correct uh, terminology to use these days? Uh, Rabbi Spiro has me as chairman of the North Carolina chapter. All right, we'll call you chairman. And she has felt uncomfortable. She had to leave her conservative synagogue because she is a pro-Trumper and the rabbi and the others in the synagogue are not. And uh, we're going to take... I, I want to, uh, if I may, Zev, sure. to clarify something. The, the Reformed um, uh, temples are more uh, progressive left. It's, it's mostly in the conservative uh, synagogues that we're, we're finding this discomfort. In the Orthodox, Politics is not, you know, isn't part of the service, isn't discussed at the same level. So you don't have the invictives. You don't have, you know, when people start expressing their disdain for Trump, there's hate. Hate breeds such personality changes 
this is part of the discomfort. You know, when Obama was president, I didn't agree with his policies. I didn't personally attack anyone. I told them why, and that was it, in a very calm manner. But the hate and the vitriol from Trump, uh, for Trump uh, has people personally attacking you. They know something about your life. They'll use that. Adrian, we have a lot of people calling to wait to see. Forgive me. So let okay. me, let's go to Atlanta, Georgia, listening to TalkLineNetwork.com. Chuck in Atlanta, Georgia. Your question for Adrian. Go ahead. Well, uh, what I'd like to comment on is the topic. Um, uh, I grew up on Long Island. I live in Atlanta now. And I grew up in a Reformed congregation. I've always felt very comfortable. Reformed Judaism, as when I was growing up, was it was uh, for Jews who uh, who were Jewish who uh, who wanted to you know, wanted to be involved in Judaism, but also wanted to make sure women had an equal amount, uh, equal voice. Uh, that uh, that uh, that, that um, uh, there was more English in the service, and uh, and but politics were not part of the congregation. What I'm finding now, and I belong to a large congregation in Atlanta, <clears throat> three, three different rabbis, and they're all wonderful people. I get along very well with them. But each one of them is more liberal than the next. And what happens is they bring politics into their sermons and into the congregation. I'll give you a couple of examples. <clears throat> Just one example. I have other people waiting, so forgive me. All right. One example, the Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, one of the rabbis, his Yom Kippur sermon was basically accusing all the congregants of being implicitly racist. And, mm-hmm. and I went in, and, in, and I said, I went in and I, and I said, I talked to the rabbi afterwards, we have a dialogue, and I said, why would you say something like that? And, and the more we discussed it, the more I find out that he just disagrees. The Reform Action Committee, which is the political arm of the reform movement, if you go and take a look at their position on issues, each one of their issues is probably further to the left than Nancy Pelosi would run on. I'll give you one other example. One example is <clears throat> is um, this spring, with all the activism that's going on, they started a program in the congregation basically on voter suppression. Personally, I don't believe there is voter suppression. And so, but the person who was put in charge of this initiative put out a statement into the congregation basically saying, well, I'm, I'm now the chairman of this, this fellow said, and, and, uh, I am, uh, and if you'd like to join this, um, you are not welcome. This is, this is almost a direct quote. Wow. If, you don't believe, if you don't believe that the Republicans are trying to suppress the, uh, the minorities from voting, then you're really not welcome. So how do you as a congregant debate. respond to that? Because you want to go to synagogue for spiritual growth. It, and I want, that's exactly right. So how do and you, so, and are you the only one feeling that way in your temple? Others feeling the same? No, what, are you, no, what are you doing about no, it? There, no, as a result of that, probably 20 or 30 of, of my conservative friends, and there's a lot more than that in the congregation, objected to it. And and what's happened is I've got always try to be very diplomatic. I work with the... Uh, the president, the president of the congregation is very sensitive to it because they don't want to lose members. They want to be inclusive. And so they have been working to try to bring this around so that there's um, uh, less of uh, people don't feel like they're marginalized, like Adrian said. And, and it, it does help because the 
because the president is trying to work on that. But the rabbis continue to bring these kinds of things up. Um, so so let me ask, we have 30 seconds. I want to take another call. But wouldn't it make sense for, for you to go and say, let's keep politics out of this. Let's talk about God. Let's talk about the religion. Let's talk about Judaism. And let's talk about less exact, about politics. That's exactly what I say. But see, but the rabbis will tell you that for them it is a moral issue. And these issues that they firmly believe in, that I look at as political issues, they look at as moral issues, and they have to speak out on them. And so what ends up happening is, is, is as a Reformed Jew, it's very difficult for me to stay in that congregation. I keep working at it, I keep trying. So where would you go? Would you go to, a, to another, we go to another Reform? We go to conservative? We go to Orthodox? Where would you go? No, as a matter of fact, the, the chief Chabad rabbi of Georgia is a terrific guy, Rabbi New, and, and I'm actually thinking about going to speak with him and see if he can form some kind of a group to allow us to somehow be able, many of us, there will be 20 or 30 members or more that I'm aware of that will probably leave the Reformed congregation and do something else. Unfortunately, I'm, I am not, a, I am not a, uh, an Orthodox Jew, um, and so for, it's going to be difficult for me. But, 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 what, but from what, what I understand, Chabad, about, Chabad congregations, by the way, most of the membership are either conservative or reform. There are very few Orthodox, except in places like New York, around the country. In fact, the other biggest challenge, I think, to conservative and reform synagogues is Chabad, because they accept everybody. So just an idea. Well, they, yeah, no, they do accept. But, but what Adrian's talking about, I don't, I don't think she ought to be uh, minimized here. This is happening all over the country. I've got friends, because I get involved in a lot of Jewish organizations, and so I meet people all over the country. And they all tell me the same thing. Chuck, you're making very good points. I appreciate your call. I hope you call again. Keep on listening. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Chuck in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's go to the Bronx. Uh, let's see. Brian in the Bronx, thank you for patiently waiting. Your question for Adrian. Your guest of a famous quote by Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black, who said, the Constitution is not a suicide pact. Yeah, the Constitution is not a suicide pact. And ironically, what I think Jews have done is to turn tikkun olam into a suicide pact. And tikkun olam is not supposed to be a suicide pact. And that's what's increasingly happening from just listening to these conversations. I just want your guest comment on that statement. And by the way, go ahead, Adrian. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because, um, as I said earlier, they're more concerned with the other. And I'm not saying other people aren't important, but you take care of your own first. You make sure that everybody is welcome and comfortable and, and, and create a place of, of safety. This doesn't exist anymore for those of us who differ um, in viewpoints from social justice and identity politics. It's, it's so divisive. You know, if I might, I just add the, right the irony that when Trump, Jews, there were many Jews calling Trump an anti-Semite. And I couldn't figure out how a man who has an Orthodox Jewish daughter and Orthodox Jewish grandchildren, and he took his Jewish, Orthodox Jewish son-in-law and made him his number one advisor. Did, have you also encountered Jews who kept insisting Trump was an anti-Semite in spite of all of that? Constantly. Constantly. And, the, and what he's done with the Abraham Accords, unbelievable. It doesn't matter to them. They despise this man, just 
his appearance, the fact that he's, uh, I, I want to say renegade. I was a commercial real estate broker years ago. I worked with builders and developers. I love them. I love their personalities. They're visionaries. They're bold. They're, you know they're in the room when their presence is there. They create change. These types of personalities, to me, are fantastic. Uh, if you want boilerplate and everybody to be the same, then you're going to get the same. Yeah, but we the point, but the point, Adrian, is is that in the synagogue, you know, people come to you're coming to, to for a spiritual experience and politics. And I know that Tikkun Olam became a religion. On its own, exactly. that's the rectification. And listen, there's, there's good deeds are fine, but like you said, before you get to that, let's. Judaism is not just tikkun olam. Judaism is a lot more than that. And before you get to tikkun olam and helping other people, let's infuse people with spirituality, with Judaism. Let's not make people feel uncomfortable in a synagogue or a temple. And don't alienate. That's rule number one. If you want to do some good work, do it without denigrating other people who have a different point of view. And there's a lack of tolerance in there. But, uh, Brian, thank you for your good phone call. Adrian, I want to thank, thank you for joining us. If people want to get more information about the Conference of Jewish Affairs, how can they do so? Um, they go to a website, conferenceofjewishaffairs.org. And thank you, Adrian, for being with us. Adrian Skolnick, I hope you feel comfortable, and we hope you find a synagogue where you can find your spiritual home. Thank you for being part of our show I tonight. Wanna, I want to thank you, though, for giving me the opportunity to uh, present this, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping better things to come. Amen. Thanks for listening. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.